0: Welcome to The Uncertainties, the podcast for 20-somethings who don't quite have their shit together yet. I'm your host, Karis, and I started this podcast because the last few years have been a huge learning curve for me. Entering the world of work, moving out of my family home, trying, and often failing, to live up to the challenges of being a fully-fledged adult. It can be overwhelming at the best of times and I know that I'm not the only person who feels like this because I'm going to be speaking to a bunch of my friends and people that I admire about the struggles that they have faced and how they are able to absolutely smash life. Today's guest is an award-winning advertiser diversity coach and founder as a young asian woman shana grew up never feeling a sense of belonging in the uk from education to entrepreneurship to her own career this inspired her to create inclusive opportunities and groups wherever she went beginning with a night at university dedicated to women in music and continuing into her professional life becoming a diversity champion and consultant to over 1,500 employees in her career in 2019, Shana started up her own business, but after experiencing job burnout, she decided to close the business and move out of London to rethink her options. That, coupled with COVID and lockdown, became a period of serious uncertainty, but also a crucial time for reflection. In 2020, Shana set up Lila, a diversity and inclusion company that focuses on the business of belonging. Her 360 business model is all about giving every single person agency in decreasing the diversity gap. It comes as no surprise to most of us that most, if not all, industries are severely lacking representation from marginalized communities. And as I record this episode in March 2021, there are no black executives in any of the top three roles in Britain's top 100 companies. Clearly, there is a lot of work to do and Shana's business, Lila, is here pulling up for change. This year she was listed as one of the DOT's 100 Rising Stars, an accolade for those who are transforming the industry of today and inspiring the generation of tomorrow, a pretty impressive feat of which I am sure there are many more to come. So welcome Shana.
1: That was so nice. Was that okay? <laughs> yeah, I love that. Oh, lovely oh. intro. Send me that. Put that on LinkedIn. Cool. Any-
0: anytime babes, anytime. How are you doing? <laughs> Thank you so much for being here.
1: Yeah good I mean wish we were together having like a drink I while know. recording this but yeah soon come soon come I but know. lovely thank you for having me as well.
0: No it's an absolute pleasure this is really exciting I know I wish we could be having a nice drink. How are you doing though how how have things been for you?
1: Yeah good I mean it's taken a lot of adjusting these past few weeks I think essentially I've been running the business full-time and moving from a side hustle to a full time hustle has definitely been something like the amount of time you have but then you're then juggling and kind of wearing all these different hats has been something that I've had to understand and use time wisely focus on the things that you necessarily don't enjoy like the financials and Mm. all of those fun things so it's definitely taken me a couple of weeks but I'm just very much looking forward to when we launch so we're launching a really exciting new platform next month so oh, wow. counting down the weeks um till then which is super exciting but it's just like something to look forward to and like yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm definitely a deadline person I don't know if you are as well but working on like strict deadlines for everything I
0: think, yeah I, I kind of need that because otherwise I just get so kind of lost in what I'm doing I need strict deadlines to stay on top of my work definitely
1: yeah even like really like insane what like really kind of hour to do this I find actually kind of makes me um just get it done no matter what and it's like okay, I can go back and edit it later but it's good to just give it a go like yeah I've done that now I can take off the list yeah
0: and it makes you feel so much more productive as well I love there's nothing more satisfying than ticking things off lists I actually was chatting yeah. to a friend the other day and saying that when I start to-do list I always write like two or three things that I've already done so that I can already tick them off because it gives you that sense of like momentum doesn't it you're like okay I'm doing really well today yeah woke up yes had a coffee (laughs) a yes yeah (laughs) I'm like whoa I'm a
1: big fan I'm actually a big fan of um three things that I achieve today every evening and Um. they could literally be like anything so like even getting out of bed technically is an achievement like so do that every morning like evening and it's a really nice way of looking back and being like oh I forgot about that like I did that like I should be proud of that like it's okay like kind of thing even like eating healthy is a good one Like oh, I had a good lunch like um made myself a really exciting meal like whatever it is it's like a really nice little fun thing That's to do.
0: nice I like that it's quite similar to uh, when people like to list off their gratitudes isn't it it's just like things that kind of make you feel um yeah, good about about things that you've achieved in the day. Cause I definitely feel like we were just mentioning that being in lockdown feels quite like groundhog day and that you're just doing the same thing over and over and it's so like <laughs> insular and you can feel like you're just not really progressing when you actually are. It's just these like small incremental Little changes, step.
1: isn't it? Yeah it's just like that I always talk about the small steps that make a sizable difference like Mm. it's very much like what those small things that are kind of needle moving that you put on your calendar and it's like okay I've done that that's actually going to make quite a big difference in the end like the sum of it Um, and like even if you just make sure that you do that kind of every week or whatever it is you find that eventually you look back and like over that month like you've done so much that's like moved you like one step closer to whatever you're I don't know. The year goals, five-year goals, goal. yeah, yeah, whatever it is. So I thought it would be quite interesting for us to
0: kind of go back to the beginning because um, I feel like in your introduction um, and you know the whole heart of your brand is this business of belonging, which I found really interesting, um, and that sense of kind of a cultural identity. And I know that you've you've mentioned that especially as um, a younger person. Um, growing up that you didn't have that that uh, sense of belonging and maybe struggle with your cultural identity and I just wanted you to talk a little bit more about that and how that has played out into um, aspects of your life and the work that you're doing right now.
1: Yeah definitely so I guess it kind of started really in childhood and kind of going to school and kind of every situation I was in was very much I was a token Asian mm. and it it kind of meant that I, you change your, and flex your identity as a result, and um, hide kind of your true, like authentic self. So this kind of has been translated as well, like really from every situation I can remember, like in terms of even career, of kind of having that feeling of being a token Asian. And sometimes it can affect your confidence, I guess, with like feeling like, are you there? because of like what you've done or are you there because you're the to- the diversity tick rocks kind of yes um, mm. point as well so definitely there was a struggle for finding my purpose and then also not understanding what I wanted to do in a career was kind of another point of like where do I want to go I started doing a law degree um at uni and quickly kind of realized a couple years in that it wasn't something that I wanted to do and it was interesting enough but I very much saw myself not in there at all. I couldn't see myself as a sister. I couldn't see myself as a barrister. I wanted to do something a bit more creative. I wanted to kind of make change on a bigger level and kind of playing around with entrepreneurship at uni. And I started up a, um, like an events night where we kind of empowered um, young uh, art, female artists, which was really fun. And just like testing and trying. And I guess that's why I kind of got into like entrepreneurship in terms of like failing fast. And just, you fail, you get back up again. And it's so difficult at first to deal with the failure and just be like, it's fine, like it's, it's temporary. I'm gonna get up, up, back up again, I'm gonna evolve, I'm gonna tweak, and I'm gonna do it again. And I guess there's been so many failures along the way, but I'm quite, like in a way, like there's such big learning opportunities. Like, I've learned so much by failing, by burning out, um, by struggling. Um, and it's ultimately kind of made me a better person than the person who I am today. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I, spoke, I have spoken about this a little bit before, but yeah,
0: the idea that um, often people are really scared of failure, but something mm. that I love that you posted was that um, amazing Serena Williams quote when she talks about um, actually being a champion and how that is actually defined not by your wins but how you recover after you fall and i think it is definitely in those moments and in those testing moments that you um well they're, they're kind of the they're, they're most character building really aren't they but yeah i think i think uh it sounds as though we probably had quite a similar childhood because i was uh similar in that i went to a school of you know um three non-white kids mm. Um, and it's definitely that feeling of of being the token, um, and like yeah, that kind of feeling of being a bit of an outsider, and and um, yeah, just kind of rejecting parts of yourself. How do you how do you feel like you were able to reconcile parts of your authentic self and bringing that back? Because I feel like in terms of identity, I've really um, only come to accept my full identity in, in literally the last like four or five years it's taken a really long time um and you know before that it was really just like negating these parts of myself to feel like I could assimilate with my friends and the people around me and society mm-hmm. and all of these things that were um reflected at me how were you able to reconcile those
1: like thoughts and feelings I completely agree. It's definitely a journey and it's definitely more of a recent journey in the past couple of years and kind of embracing my identity more. It's definitely with, I have some really close work friends um, who are ethnic minorities as well. We're like the only, we were the only kind of ethnic minorities in um, the the wider office and we definitely help empower each other and support each other and they definitely kind of built that confidence into me. And like, I a shout out to them because they've definitely increased my confidence. And I hope that we've all increased each other's confidence of stepping out of our comfort zone. And if we do feel kind of under pressure of like not being able to speak up in a meeting or whatever, we would push each other and really support each other and then praise each other um, as a result. So, definitely, the past couple of years has been a learning curve, even just as well, like learning more. About kind of my identity, family, etc., and the roots, kind of beyond it, and um, really, in- I'm a big foodie as well. So, nice. love to go out for dinner, <laughs> and um, especially with exploring Indian food, there just kind of so much to it, and the amazing kind of stories behind it. So, um, over lockdown, I had an idea of creating a recipe book to really keep all of our family like wider family recipes together because otherwise they're lost forever mm. and so my granddad he's kind of nearly like 88 and he's very much like has these incredible recipes but not written down so it's like how can we keep that forever um and showcase that and have a little bit of the stories behind each of the recipes so I challenge each of my family to kind of pick like three recipes per person and then the wider family as well So I can really start understanding, like where all the stories tie in, and throw in some memories, and put some photos and everything, and create like a proper, nice little recipe book keepsake.
0: Oh, that's Um, amazing! That is such a good idea because you're so right. um, You know, culturally food and heritage and like story that is all so intertwined um I wanted to talk a little bit about your first kind of foray into um the diversity and inclusion pool which is as you've kind of already touched on your like being at university and setting up this um this women in music
1: event how did that all come about So that was really interesting because it came out of an experience that I had and because I was very much exploring like different industries, I looked into kind of the music industry as a potential kind of um, future career role. And I was, as a result, kind of just DJing and like playing um, at different like venues around Nottingham where I went to uni. And essentially I turned up to a gig at one of the like classic clubs and the bouncer like looked me up and down and basically like, are you sure you're here to play? Like, I'm very much undermined what I was doing, and I was like, "This can't happen! Like, this is not okay for anyone's confidence, as well for yeah, any women beautiful. that who are DJ, like up and DJs. That like puts you right off. Like, you just feel so uncomfortable. Like, not even being let like like literally it was like, "He wasn't going to let me in." And so, I think that experience then led to me creating the events. And then just after uni, I was very much like, I'm, I really wanted to empower women in mm. some way. And as well, like exploring inclusion in general, where you create like a welcoming atmosphere. I was really intrigued by. And it kind of was reflected in when I visited the city of New Orleans um, in America, mm. which is, I would say, a place where in, like, inclusion is brought to life it's the one of the most welcoming places in the world and people are so friendly they welcome you in like their own it's just such a lovely kind of culture to it and i was so intrigued by it about how can you recreate that experience of inclusion where everyone feels accepted everyone feels valued everyone feels nurtured and yeah it was it was really kind of interesting to explore that and then kind of i guess going into a corporate a, a corporate life and um, being in a job I think I was I was really kind of interested in in the kind of opportunities and my experience is very much in innovation so essentially what I was doing was we were building brands to disrupt markets like that was kind of our um, role for a big company is very much keep them relevant and like flip kind of conversations on their head and because of that experience I looked at diversity and inclusion and thought okay this is what they're doing this is the way it's going this is the traditional approach that um, most people are kind of um doing how can we change it how can we make this more exciting because I wanted to move it from this diverse inclusion like if you google it it will be like people holding hands and like hands holding around the world like very old-fashioned like 20 years ago kind of mm. um stock image stock imagery it's not culturally relevant in any way at all Mm. and it's like the the pictures as well when you look through them you're like it just feels doesn't feel right it doesn't feel um authentic at all and so I think for me as well it was that kind of create how can I create a creative innovative way of bringing diversity inclusion to life that is culturally relevant and kind of appeals to young people and to to people essentially because I found that like in, in my old company, it was like, it would eye roll every time we talk about DNI. Yeah. So like, oh, here we go, like kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. People just feel really fatigued by it, don't they? Yeah, 100%. Diversity fatigue was something that I definitely experienced. Like I was running um, the internal network um, with a co-chair and we were doing our full-time jobs. And then we were doing all this work and it was so difficult. It was like so mentally draining and yeah, it's just one of those things that I also realized is like sometimes it's actually not fair to give the bu- the whole burden to these unpaid employee resource groups. Like they're doing so much. They're doing their normal job trying to get a promotion, driving their career, et cetera, et cetera, all of that stuff. And then you're trying to manage all of the DEI. Um, bits and bobs, make sure that goes smoothly. You want to report to the lead, the leaders, the board, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, it's so overwhelming.
0: Yeah, no, I can imagine. Do you find, um, do you find it tricky? I find another uh, quite difficult conversation and one to balance is, um, I think a lot of white people look to those in marginalized communities um, for setting up these like D&I groups because they're like, you know, this is, we want to give you your voice. We want your opinion. We want, um, yeah, to you to feel involved mm-hmm. in this and not that we're dictating what is not isn't right because it's not for us to say. However, you know, there's the offset of that, which is feeling, you know, like as a marginalised group, you're already feeling incredibly fatigued and then yeah. you have the pressure of yeah like educating your company mm-hmm. or whoever and 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 as you say it's often unpaid work and unpaid labor and emotional labor as well so it's yeah. very difficult like do you ever sometimes feel as though you know I well I suppose for you you've you've kind of paved your way in wanting to be in in this kind of industry but also that it's the onus isn't always completely
1: on me yeah uh, well this is why I have kind of this goal of wanting to set up a fund mm. and extra support for those kind of leaders and internal resource groups, because having been in, been there and understood kind of that, yeah, the emotional toll and you need extra support, whether that is finance, like monetary, or is it emotional? What, what is it? Like, what does that mm. look like? How can we support them? Is it that we give them coaching? Is it that we give them opportunities to Lead on panels and speakers and like train them up. Like, what is that? So um, that's something I'm looking into. Is how can we actually, because they're doing such a great job, how can we continue that and support them in as much kind of opportunities as we can? Because mm. it is something that you're doing as a labor of love, right? It, yeah, it's totally. It's not, it's not easy at all, and like we know as well. It's so you, I guess you as well. When you're in the company, you know exactly how to go about it, but then you've got to do a lot of learning on your own and take your, that journey by yourself it's it's difficult like it's it's not easy to do and you're ste- you're basically stepping up as a consultant kind of role yeah. when you've got enough to think about you've got enough in your plate so i really think it's important to do that i know that in the us they there was i think it was like a one off thing last year that they opened some kind of fund um to support employee resource group leaders and that's exactly what i'd love to do here because yeah i know part- it just yeah I feel like even being not being seen is like a really important part and knowing that what you're doing is making change and valuing people um and giving them that extra support like really boost their confidence because say if they do want to go into um the AI, they might want to they might not but it's a nice they need that kind of extra um support whether it is even just like a conversation with someone just letting out steam you know and like a coaching session or is it mentoring being paired up with a mentor who's kind of five years ahead of you so you can start understanding what you can do in your career I think it's definitely important because otherwise there's no room to think (laughs) like yeah it can just be incredibly
0: overwhelming
1: yeah exactly
0: (laughs) no I completely agree um so wait when you're when you're discussing this um and the the job is this when you were working at Fox
1: no, so this was when um, I was working at a large corporate, um, William Grant & Sons, a big drinks company. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so like a basically FMCG um, company. And um, that was where I was in innovation and um, learning, yeah, very much like innovation marketing, which I never knew existed as a role, like in a career. Mm. Is like, how do you disrupt the market and how do you create exciting, brands kind of from idea to launch which was like a really interesting concept and actually worked really well with like I'm very much an entrepreneur and like understanding okay how does it work um from kind of every project manager like how like how how do you create something just from just this one little idea or even um like a fact like it could be like it so like for example our Lila is very much focused on the fact that Um, 90% of traditional corporate training is forgotten in one week and what we do is showcase we embed learning and we don't do just like the one and done approach of like one-off workshops Mm. Um, we're all about ongoing support and help Um, and so sometimes those kind of facts and they spark something which end up to create like a business idea and then a business and then Etc., etc., and grow and grow. So, yeah, it's really interesting. That's so interesting because it's exactly that. You're like finding a small nugget that's going to cut through all the noise. And I think exactly that. And it's like, how do we avoid overwhelm, but and excite and inspire? So, what we do in our workshops is very much like, how can we make this culturally relevant for Mm. the person watching? So they can actually be like, okay, I get that. That's tangible. I can, I can do that. Like, right now. So, like, one thing we do is just like get out your phone and go on social media and start scrolling and just start seeing who are the people you follow because actually there's a lot of bias towards the people that you follow that you hang around with people that look like you, et cetera. And it's like, how can you start diversifying your feed and that kind of cognitive diversity in terms of thought, race, age, existing all the kind of components of the diversity world. And it's like, that can be done. Like we spend so many hours on social media day like mm. that's like an unconscious way of like bringing diversity into our everyday life just by scrolling and just that simple act can actually make a fair amount of difference and yeah. start understanding different kind of um, thought um, even with the way people think is different. Um, so yeah, just like kind of making it really practical and like easy to do, like just practical steps that you can kind of implement right now, or there might be the kind of longer term ones, like there's the short wins and the kind of long wins. But yeah, it's like cha- championing that kind of approach. Um, I guess that was where I was at in my career. It was just like the beginning was very much not knowing where I was going from the law degree to just asking people just for help and just being like, I don't know what I want to do. Please kind of give me a, a bit of advice. Bit of guidance, and yeah. yeah, yeah, like mentors are just so helpful.
0: And I guess yes. I never
1: really knew how to like have a mentor because it's like, People don't really talk about it. Like, how do you get one? Like,
0: I've had this conversation a lot recently because it's exactly that. People have no idea how to do it, um, how to begin the process, who to be reaching out to. Because it's so- something that is really accessible, and people are so. You often find people are so willing to do it, and you know, offer their time yeah. and their
1: expertise and, and everything that they've learned. I messaged someone randomly on um, Instagram, just DM them. And they replied, and I I, would, I didn't say, like, I had in my head, I was like, that I want them to be my mentor. I like, absolutely love that. So I just was like, absolutely, like, would love to chat more and get to know you. And then it's kind of turned into a bit more of a mental relationship after a few calls. Oh, amazing. And, and it's just like, you could kind of find one anywhere. Like, if yeah. you reach out and just try. So I don't know. I found that it's been really interesting when people are so different from you as well. Yeah. So, so like my, um, I was on a London Stock Exchange um, entrepreneur programme and I had like a couple of like white males, very different to me, very financial. I'm the opposite of financial. And they were like, very like, they love a good spreadsheet and learned so much from them and their journey. And it was actually really great to have them as well as all kind of this really diverse mix of mentors because they can bring so much mm. and they were like very, um, I don't know if you've ever done personality tests, but um, there's like the four different colours of the personality and I'm a yellow, like very like enthusiastic, quite warm and like they were definitely um, more red slash blue. So like red is just like get to the point, like <laughs> very like quick, like kind of just want to get to the point as quick like as possible. methodical and like, and, like yeah. yes, yeah, it's like a le- a quite a big leadership style and that was just really interesting as well was just like how they work in a in like a mentee mentor meeting in like what they think their hour would be versus like what I would be it'd be like oh how's it going like all of that like I want to have to build up that report at the beginning but they're just like right what can we do for you today what do you want to achieve by the end of the hour and it's like good point <laughs> what <laughs> do I want ask. To
0: <laughs> So yeah, it's really
1: oh. interesting. Well, it feels like you've kind of
0: implemented that into your like goals for the day when you're like, oh, I need to get this done by the hour. That feels kind of in that same mentality. And you might not have picked that up if you hadn't had yeah. you know mentors like that in the past. Because I'm definitely not that kind of worker, <laughs> but I definitely should adopt it for sure. Because it would help my, <laughs> help my produ- productivity a lot. I would love to talk a little bit about starting up your first business and that that experience for you um I mean like how how old were you when you did that and and what was that like as a you know your first startup
1: yeah I mean so that that was definitely a a very short kind of pursue kind of my um understand what I wanted to do in life for sure Mm. um it was a massive learning curve of just I was very focused on um, how could I bring this night to life? And it was basically, essentially, if you live into a boiler room, it was oh, yeah. the same thing. Uh, we live streamed it so people could watch it if they're at home. And so it was like using that style and how can we bring it to life in quite an exciting way? And like, I wanted to do quite fun marketing campaigns. Everyone was doing like Facebook events at that point. And I was like, okay, what I'm going to do is create a, letter with a stamp saying you're invited and post it through everyone's letterbox in the uni area where everyone's living and so everyone would open it and they'd have to text the random number to get on the guest list I guess that was like first experience of marketing and being like how do we bring this to life in quite a fun way but I would say like everyone says like your first business is not your last because you learn you fail you learn you fail and like I, I had a second business as well like uh, which was in street food and bring my love of food to life and exploring that and some things happen everything happens for a reason well I, I, I really believe that. And no I, yeah I do as well. Yeah and it, it took me on this path of understanding burnout and like where my limits are and being like okay I know that I can't work 50 hours a day or whatever it was like yeah I can't overwork I have to mm-hmm. take time for my mental health etc I have to um like learning how to delegate and building a confident team and just learning as much possible all those things that I've learned um it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for that business and effectively like kind of helped me become a better person I guess as a result
0: That's amazing. Yeah, because I think we all we all need that lesson learned to figure out our boundaries. And I've definitely been a victim of that, of not knowing my professional and personal boundaries, actually.
1: Yeah, no, I I completely and I think lockdown, though, has been really eye opening Mm. for like everyone's had more time right so everyone has pursued things that they actually have wanted to do for years yeah. and I think it's been do you know lockdown 1.0 when we were back there a year ago and it was <laughs> cast your mind's weather. eye back to
0: lockdown number one do we all remember
1: it <laughs> oh, <and sighs> it, was, it was it was really quite it was actually quite fun because yeah, it was like have, yeah it was like fun we had loads of time it was good weather like we we're exploring all these hobbies that we'd never had time to do And I think so many businesses came out of that, like the side hustles and understanding that, okay, what is my actual um, career trajectory going? Like, do I actually want to stay in this job anymore? Yeah. Do I want to, yeah, it's like reflecting. And also like um, one thing I found really helpful was the ikigai, which is the way of life. Mm. And I talk about this a lot with all my friends because I just think it's incredible. And essentially it's, what your why is for like the why the reason for your kind of purpose in life and it basically combines your um your passions what the world needs um together and what you're good at as well i think it's three things and you you bring them all together and you start to see okay what what is it that is going to drive you and wake you up in the morning every day i mm-hmm. like for example like mine is that i essentially want to help 1 million people to lead inclusively and feel confident in their own skin and it's something obviously that I've struggled with, and that drives me and gets me up in the morning every single day, no matter what. But yeah, really interesting exercise. If you ever had like spare ten minutes to do it, and it really, really helps with that clarity.
0: Yeah, and I guess it gives you a tangible goal. What is it called? The what's the what's the book? Called? Oh,
1: Ikkagai. I k i g a i. Oh wow! It, it's a book, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't think you need to read the book. Like I just like Google like Ikigai, um, activity or something along those lines, and it probably take like ten minutes of you just like it's three circles, and all you need to do is fill those three circles in, and then think about it, and you can create a statement at the end, which is your ikigai, your your kind of purpose. And yeah, it's I I found it personally like I don't know whether it was like right time, right place, but I found it like life changing in terms of like have that written down, and you can look at it every day, and you can create that around your mood board or whatever you want. Um, in terms of your goals and that will really help kind of get you up and inspire and excite you yeah no absolutely
0: actually it's another really interesting point um, that I would love to hear your thoughts on is that kind of glamorizing especially in um, in entertainment or marketing or creative industries of Mm -hmm. overworking and something that I've been a victim of or like I've you know I've told myself is a good thing to do for such a long time um and can lead to job burnout like what are your thoughts on that and how can people you know look at look to their own I suppose like working life and lifestyle and figure out what is the right balance especially Mm. with covid and thinking you know I I I might work until 8 p.m because I've got you know I'm sat at my desk and I'm doing these things
1: yeah I burnout is I've had it of two bad cases of it like in the past couple of years so it was like 2019 and the thing is you don't realize it's coming like you're just overworking you're like I'm invincible 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 I can do this it's fine and then one day it just hits you and you have no motivation you don't want to get up like it just really gets you down you're just like I cannot do this any longer like so I, I would say kind of the way of getting over it is just it's that routine for sure. I'm a lover of a good routine. I, um, every morning have like a set routine and there's no phones in the morning until um, I get up all around seven and then eight is when I'm allowed on my phone but I have all this stuff that I do in the morning. So definitely keeping that and Atomic Habits is a really good book um, which helps you to develop good habits. And just like, for example, if you wanna read every day uh, for half an hour before bed and like not be on your phone, then you leave your book like on your bed um so then you can see it and it just you're it's there like so you're like I'll do I have to do that now and Mm. it starts off a slightly a bit of a chore but then it becomes very much like part of your routine and I think definitely just having hard non-negotiables I find really helps and like you have to be kind to yourself and I find like in the weekend if I'm like oh I want to do x x x if I'm like nah I'm going to sleep into that I'm like yeah I'm being kind to myself that's fine I'm going to do that and I'm not going to feel guilty I think that's the thing is like not feeling guilty about it but I think Mm. there's loads of tools that you can um I'm pretty sure you can schedule like emails and like if you want it to go out like you like if say if like you're applying someone some people find it really like difficult not to reply back if they get like an email in the evening it's like well you can schedule that for 9am the next morning so then that you won't like force anyone or make someone feel like they have to reply so I guess putting in those good kind of efforts but then it does also map depend on your team the company like it depends on so many things but just making sure those non-negotiables like is it that you want to go for a walk and have an hour um every day like, I have like I take calls while I'm like one call half an hour call while I'm on my walk and then a half an hour of just walking and it's like that way I, I utilize that walk and I'm technically working (laughs) um don't know if that's allowed but it's like it's just a way of getting out and making sure that I am out no matter what non-negotiable between those times Mm -hmm. so I guess yeah in a way being strict strict for for yourself and I guess because we're in such a time of isolation definitely having the support networks in place um if you feel like you are um like you can't like relying on your friends is really important but also is it that you're journaling like to get things out which are that you want to maybe you don't want to burden someone of, but you just want to get out of your head and is it I'm part of quite a few like entrepreneur communities and there's like memberships that you can be part of and they're your support system or your accountability buddies and they're the ones that can help you um kind of take that next step so I really think is that who is the people around you and I guess the average isn't it like you're the average of the five people you know or something of the average are the people you spend time with oh. so it's like who are those people like who are you spending time with every single yeah. day like because sometimes you find that you might be hanging around with toxic kind of friends or or whatever that is and like, how can you start surrounding yourself with more um positive minded people and driven or whatever like is it that you start following a bunch of people and then start yeah it's like your mentors it's like is you start hanging around with your mentors a lot more and um kind of embodying everything they're doing so it's like maybe evaluating that side as well and just making sure that kind of the mental health is very much on the top um before you commit to extra things
0: yeah definitely you mentioned something there that was really interesting um accountability pals is it i've never heard of that
1: before accountability buddies you just check in with them and so i'm part of an entrepreneur program called hatch and we have accountability buddies and essentially what we do is we write on a spreadsheet in our every workshop we have and it's like this is what I have to get done in two weeks time and then you have a five minute update did you get it done if not like okay how do you go like ahead with that and how do you carry on and it's really nice because it's like it's fine if you don't get it done but it reminds you you're like oh yeah I kind of got it done but I'm going to do this this time and it's like working that out and then you can share it and be like, yeah, that didn't work. So I'm gonna give a go this. And it's a really nice way of maybe those things that you wouldn't necessarily tell your friends and share with certain people. It's quite nice to just get it out and um explore that with someone.
0: Oh that's so great. And you can kind of give feedback for each other as well. Oh and how how do you get um involved in that? That's through your entrepreneurial program.
1: I mean you can do it with anyone and just be like do you want to be my accountability buddy start setting up meetings.
0: yeah if you maybe like set these practices into place now it'll be easier it transitioning it back into you know post-lockdown live to be able to continue those practices going forward which i think is great
1: yeah i agree i think as well it's like we're so used to being like oh how are you i'm really busy like it's like the auto response now and it's like oh i'm so busy at the moment it's like it's okay like if you're not like it doesn't it's not a competition to be like who's busier and like Who's got so many a million things going on, and it's like we are so tuned to being like like hundred percent all the time. Like even like a nine to five, when you think about it, like you are literally expected to work at kind of hundred percent all day, and expect that all times of the day you're going to be on it like all mm. the time. And we know that we aren't naturally like that. We like kind of flow. To be like that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like I have the three p.m. kind of low, low. every yeah. day. <laughs> It's like coffee time,
0: yeah. like chocolate. <laughs> Although chocolate time is actually any time of the day for me, so I can't even use that excuse.
1: <laughs> I completely um, agree. Although I'm saying save- I save it for the evenings now. That's my tree, and I like right now nine o'clock, and I dip it in my tea. I'm oh, like, nice! Oh. It's my like God.
0: little meditation. I- I wish I had that willpower. I literally was scoffing (laughs) down a Lynn bunny at 10.30am this morning in my morning meeting. And I was like, if anyone says anything about this situation, I will not be taking it. (laughs) It
1: It's Monday. I think you're allowed
0: on Monday. Um, You mentioned uh, periods of uncertainty and um, we've kind of spoken a little bit about about it, but how uncertain a, a... Startup is. Um, and I just mm-hmm. wanted to talk about that a little bit more because I think, um, I, I mean, I personally know quite a few people who are um, either have just started up a business, thinking of starting up a business, or, you know, um, yeah, in that process. And I think it would be interesting to hear from you as someone who um, has such an entrepreneurial side to yourself and has done it quite a few times. What that experience is like, and how to kind of ride the wave of uncertainty so that it's not a daunting thing?
1: It's difficult because it is, I think it is fairly daunting in terms of there's so much to do all the time. It's like you are the accountant, you're the salesperson, you're the marketing person, you're kind of wearing all these hats. So, definitely, it's just, I would say personally, is like the amount of learning like that I did and enjoyed doing is like attend loads of webinars and 10 10 workshops where you can learn and just start your going on the journey like it doesn't matter if you if you don't know all the answers because you never will just like just start somewhere and know that everything's not going to be perfect and it's fine if you launch and it fails because you've got to give it a go and I was fine like the, you know that idea when you're like that could be such good business it never ends up being that so this time a year ago I had the idea of Lila, it was so different to what it was now and it's pivoted, it's evolved as we've chatted to people we've had market research and it does take, like it's taken a year yeah, just give it a go and try, get your mentors in place, they can kind of guide you in areas that you don't feel comfortable in be part of any communities um, entrepreneurial communities there's so many like accelerators launch kind of programs where literally they teach you everything you need to know from like starting from idea to launch so join as many as you can and then build that community build the relationships with them because you never know who you're going to meet who Mm -hmm. can put you in touch with the right person the right investor etc so just like put yourself out there and that's something that I've learned I've struggled my confidence um, for sure like when I was on this entrepreneurial program a couple of years ago they were basically just about pitching about like public speaking and they were like, "Oh, does anyone feel uncomfortable public speaking?" I was the only person with put my hand up in that room. That was the level of confidence that we were at, and wow because it, it was that's very like vetted, and like these were such confident people, and I was like, "I do not feel confident at all." I was like, "I'm gonna be honest," and I will like, put my hand up like halfway, like, "Yeah, that's <sighs> me." Yeah, like it's like just yeah, it's just like putting yourself out there, giving it a go, and like, like you know, there always be a learning opportunity no matter what, and it will um it will definitely help pursue kind of your passion if that is in business like it might be that you want to be like a really high profile director of a, a big company or it might be that you want to be your captain of your own ship and um run your own business like for me it was like I don't want to be a cog in the wheel anymore and that was my kind of realization that loved working for a business really enjoyed it but it was like this isn't mine like this isn't my baby like this is I'm going to be giving this back and I want something that I can actually create long-term change, help people and like create kind of change on a big scale. And that was for me like that moment, like defining moment. So I guess, yeah, getting all your ducks in a row and just giving it a go. Like there's um, I guess I would say listen to TED Talks are great because rather than necessarily if you're not a book reader, they're 10 minutes like a TED talk. Yeah, and it's like great yeah like um like even just google like starting a business or whatever and then put ted talk and then you've got amazing incredible speakers there at kind of um the palm of your hand so i guess utilize youtube is such a great way of getting free content i think i you forget the power of it how much Mm. you can learn like for free so i guess we've got the internet in terms of like learning as much as you want if you kind of google it so yeah learn as much as you can and just keep going and keep trying and evolving and pivoting as you go yeah I feel
0: like the main two takeaways from what you've just said are um a level of flexibility like not because I think that can be quite difficult when you're a business owner or starting up a company and thinking you know oh this is the idea of it like this is the look and the brand and the feeling of it and not wanting anything to compromise that but it's actually about as you say, being flexible to let your brand naturally evolve. So, Lila, um, you've obviously spoken a lot, a lot about, and I like, I love the idea of, the, like, the idea of the I and that agency. I think that's a really good idea because I think we are definitely part of a society that deflects, aren't we? It's always like, oh, it's someone else's problem, or like, we're not a racist country, but America is, or like, it's mm-hmm. this constant deflection, mm-hmm. and it's, it's such a um, like knee-jerk reaction to uncomfortable conversations or feelings or anything that means that we don't have to put ourselves at the centre. And I love the fact that you're giving us that agency to create, you know, the change that we want to see. Um, How did you come up with the idea? How do you find that you can implement it in the workplace?
1: Yeah, I think what I saw was definitely, it was very much kind of the focus on um, like leaders or it never really trickled down to every single person Mm. Um, and people didn't even know like that there was like an internal group or like things were happening like there was no like personal impact on every single person um, just from previous experience and so there was a way that we needed to go about it ensuring that we're all on the journey together like we have to each and every one of us have to make small changes, otherwise it's not going to change. Like there's not going to be any long-term kind of approach and changing culture over time. So it was based around that idea of the fact that inclusion starts with I, like that's kind of our little little tagline Mm -hmm. (laughs) and showing that it is down to every single one of us um, to make kind of inclusive change and long-term change. And the barriers that are faced kind of in diversity um, as trying to make change as well and so yeah I think for me I think the key kind of thing is to really kind of focus on each and every do- individual and it's that idea as well I talk about equality versus equity and it's like equ- equity is all about giving people what they need and it's like that we need to give each and every single person what they need to kind of be their best selves and thrive and create um, that kind of sense of belonging so with that in mind it was kind of created around that and seeing the workshops very much be like work, one workshop that was done and then no support after. It was like, what do I do though if I experience a microaggression at work? Like how do I handle it? Like what support do I have? And it was like, okay, I know that in the case when I've experienced a microaggression, I need kind of support in terms of like, um, potentially a coaching session or potentially like some mental health kind of affirmations and a few like bits and bobs. And it's like that learning journey as well, of having experiences happen. It's being like, okay, how do we manage that? How do we kind of equip every single employee with that those kind of helpful, practical components? Mm.
0: Yeah, it feels like you've, it, yeah. I mean, as I mentioned in my introduction, it's a real 360 approach, isn't it? Where do you see Lila taking you in like the next, you know, 18 months?
1: Oh, 18 months um good question I mean do you set but, uh, goals that
0: far ahead or are you very like
1: yeah I mean I have like one three five years um, okay oh okay but I, the, what I do at the moment is like 90 day sprints it's definitely like super helpful because it's otherwise if a year just feels like such a long time I'm like okay what can I do in the next 90 days that's like like quarters and kind of see what happens um so yeah what I would say eighteen months. That's an interesting one. Well, essentially, we're we're launching our platform next month, so that kind of going really well. And we wanna we wanna work with like the biggest companies in the world, really. So, essentially, I guess I do the ninety day sprint, and it just feels a lot more like manageable in general. Mm. Like there's so many like things that feel a bit more achievable, and then the one year just seems like okay. This sounds Um, pretty like a big challenge yeah like
0: overwhelming
1: yeah so like breaking it up into nine days and then from that you can have like I do it to weekly like it's in my calendar and then it's like okay I need to do this 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 um but in terms of yeah like 18 months the the goal for us yeah working with some big companies like we want to achieve kind of global scale really and working like helping one million people and then also we want to set up a Fund um, not only for um, kind of the support and kind of coaching and extra support for those that are unpaid employee resource groups, but we want to set up mentoring and make it a yearly thing, a yearly program for grads, like understanding and navigating careers and an underrepresented kind of um, fund for those starting a new business and oh, wow. don't know where they want to go and needs a bit of money, potentially, of like 250, 1000, whatever it is, to start up just that push of like, I'm going to do this. Mm. So that's kind of the goal. And I'd love for it in 18 months to be at that point where we can actually run those kind of fund competitions and support as many people as we want and give people kind of the mic and the stage to um, go for what they've always dreamed of. That's amazing. I think that's a very,
0: I mean, after hearing you today and just like how incredibly like thoughtful methodical but also just like hard working and driven you are I honestly have like no doubt that that is like an attainable goal for you um I guess I guess is it time to kind of wrap up the podcast a little bit so what I tend to ask um my guests is two things the first thing is what are you feeling the most uncertain about right now?
1: um good question I'm feeling uncertain about growing a team at the moment so yeah so um hiring and that whole world of um finding people that are the right fit and I'm also looking for a co-founder and we're going to be hiring like in the next month in terms of a like sales team all these kind of exciting fun things and it's just like feeling very uncertain about how to even go about interviewing and all of that fun stuff and onboarding them so um I guess that would definitely be my uncertainty right now oh my god
0: wow that's so exciting though do you think if it it, do you say in about a month's time will you be able to interview people in person or probably still virtually
1: that's a good point I would love to do it in person, to be honest. It'd be nice, like, wouldn't it? Yeah. Like, and also, like, there's that connection, like... Yeah, which oh, you can... It? It's over a lot the, harder
0: over yeah. over Zoom. You don't quite get that same uh, <laughs> that same spark. Um, oh, wow. Good luck with that, though. That sounds really exciting. Um, and what do you feel the most certain about right now? Feel the most
1: certain about... Um, the business actually like feeling really comfortable and confident like over the past year there's been a lot of pivoting a lot of research a lot of work's gone into it and you might haven't been able to see any of the kind of changes and like any real impact but now I'm starting to be like like I can go in feeling so confident that this is the right thing and this is where I'm a hundred percent in the right place to kind of do this and I'm glad that I kind of Um, ended up quitting my full-time job and I just yeah feeling really excited and certain about the future. Oh it's amazing (laughs) oh my god I'm
0: excited I mean honestly given the timelines that you've worked to so far and seeing how far Lila has come since kind of the inception to now is incredible so to think about you know where you could take the business in you know even a few months let alone 18 months I think there's so much just exciting stuff ahead basically and just hearing you chat today has been really um yeah really inspiring I feel like I've learned so much and it's made me think a lot about how I can maximize my productivity for sure so I mean I feel like I'm gonna definitely be seeing you on a TED Talk yourself very very soon.
1: That is a dream actually that's in my one-year goals. Oh okay. <laughs>
0: watch out for me (laughs) you've spoken it into action now so it's there it's out in the world let's see what happens yes
1: honestly come and support me in the audience if it's in real life as well oh my god definitely oh thank you so much
0: (laughs) thank you for having me it's been so nice come back anytime and uh, we will be back with another episode very soon bye